All right, everybody. Well, greetings and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Fredland. And as always, we are joined by our panel. Tonight, we have Jim Reed, Rob Washam, Chris Jones, Andrew Feist, and the great John Somsky. Uh, thanks to our official sponsor, Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel, and our other podcast sponsors, Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. This is episode 177, and today we have Jen Shahadi. We are super excited about that. Just real quick before we get to Jen, uh, make sure you go to rec.poker slash resources. Check out all the stuff we have there. Tons of partnerships. You get discounts on everything. Specifically, check out Red Chip Poker. Uh, you can get one free week of uh, their core program uh, by going to redchippoker slash recpoker and using the code recpoker. So with that, uh, let's welcome in Jen Shahadi. How are you doing, Jen? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to be back on Rec Poker. Fantastic. Everybody, as soon as we had you on, everybody's like, when is she coming back on? When is she coming back on? I'm like, just go listen to her podcast. We can't have her on every week. She's got her own stuff. But uh, no, people were thrilled last time and they're excited that you're coming back on. So thanks for taking the time uh, to join us. Uh, so, you know, I, I look at your stuff. I go to your website. We got all the stuff. It's Jen Shahadi here, Jen Shahadi there, in charge of this, doing that, all this amazing stuff. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on, what's new in your world. What do you want to uh, let people know about that you're involved with. Wow. Yeah. Well, things have changed, of course, for all of us since yeah. um, social distancing and lockdown, shelter at place. So um, for me, I've been very busy because all of the things that I'm passionate about um, were able to really find an online component from playing even more on Poker Stars PA to starting my own um, Twitch stream, which I'd resisted for a while just because I travel so much. So that's new. I, I resisted Twitch for many years. And finally, with uh, all the shelter place orders and all of my travel plans getting canceled, I was like, okay, let's jump in these waters. So that's been really interesting and um, educational, which I like. I feel like I learned a lot. Um, so that, that's one big thing. And then also a lot of the mentorship programs that I do with girls um, around the country, usually with chess. Um, a lot of that I'm moving online as well, um, you know, temporarily, but it's, it's kind of cool because you, you realize that there are some people that you can access that you wouldn't normally be able to access with online programs. So like there was one girl from Philadelphia where there's a lot of robust programming because that's where I live. And there's some really great Philly coaches here. And there was like one of my favorite girls who was so passionate about chess and her family moved out of town. And then we just stopped seeing her completely. And it always kind of tugged at my heart. And there I'm giving this like Zoom class and suddenly Kayla pops up on the screen. Oh. And yeah, it's kind of, it's, so there's, there's some pluses too. You know, you got to always look for the positives. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two big new things, this online programming and then the, the, um, the final acquiescence to the, the Twitch culture, which is, which is so big in poker. Final acquiescence to the Twitch culture. I love that's a T-shirt right there. How, mm. What's your what's your uh, what's your Twitch handle? Just Jen Shahadi. And you know, I've actually had like a name there for a while because I do um, sometimes. I was like you know on other people's streams, a guest or something like that. So, but I hadn't really set up my own. Um, and it, you know, with the Grid, which is my podcast, I often interview streamers and. I just feel like it's been a really valuable experience because I really understand better now what they go through. Um, it's, it's very different in that when you're streaming, you're trying to become the best possible poker player you can while streaming and 
interacting with your audience, which is very different than just being yeah. the best possible poker player. It's like a completely different skill set in a certain way. No, for sure. I've done a little bit of it myself. I know some of the guys here have done it and it, you know, there's sort of that, there's a built-in accountability that comes with it, but there's also that, well, I want them to be entertained a little bit. I want them to know my thought process and it does, it can be actually distracting to just playing. Yeah, it's, you're right. Sometimes it can make you play better because of the accountability, depending yeah. on the person. Um, because you're like, well, I don't really feel like calling here, but I know it's correct to call. So <laughs> right. since I have an audience, I'm just going to do the right thing. Um, so that can be good. But obviously, attention-wise, your attention is much more divided. So yeah, yeah I think that, that, that it's, it's interesting to, to kind of really be able to relate more to that. And then one of the things I really like about Twitch, which I think might resonate with you, Steve, because of like the the more the broader implications of you know poker and business lessons is that in Twitch, um, you are like a one person studio. Maybe you have mm-hmm. a couple people helping you on the side, a moderator, um, somebody you pay for a little tech support to help set it up. But you're basically a one person studio. So it's not about whether things will go wrong; it's about when they'll go wrong. They will go wrong, and so you have to have such a great sense of chill. Like you have to be like, okay, like. Sometimes my stream's going to go down. Sometimes people aren't going to hear me. Sometimes people aren't going to hear me and it's going to be after a massive raid. Sometimes like, like the, the chess.com site is going to go down just when I'm about to checkmate somebody. Like, or like there's going to be a disconnection because of my internet and the server being overloaded because everybody's playing. Like, these things are just going to happen. And so I feel like you have to just be a little bit more relaxed and less intense than maybe I'm used to. And I think that's a really valuable lesson. It's so true. And that is true what's happening there. But yeah, for your your own personal development to kind of be forced into those situations. Well, I can't, this is out of my control. I cannot control this. What am I going to do? Am I going to go crazy? Or am I going to, you know, try to mature in the process and say, well, this is kind of what comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're working in like a huge team then like at some point these types of things right. become unacceptable, right? Like, you know, CBS can't just like go down, but if you're <laughs> a one person studio, like, yeah. And you, you know, I, I kind of like over the years, I do see sometimes somebody's like, sorry, I'm not going to be able to do my stream today. And like, yeah, that makes sense. And so I just, I think that's really cool. And there's this one very famous chess streamer, Alexander Botez, who I partnered with on a lot of stuff. And I remember we had this great tournament lined up soon after all the shelter in place orders were, um, were basically spreading all over the country, um, spreading all over the country, stopping the spread of COVID-19. Um, <laughs> so yeah, was an interesting choice of words there by me. But I, yeah. anyway, we, we came up with this idea for a tournament that on Twitch called Isolated Queens. So it was the idea to celebrate all of these women all over the world and especially in the United States because U.S. Chess Women was like a co-sponsor. Um, that were, you know, at isolating at home and chess was kind of like a way to help, you know, not only to connect, but also to be, you know, to develop some skills while you're, you're at home, just kind of chilling. Um, and I was so excited for this event. We, we got like a former women's world champion. We got like grandmasters lined up. We got, you know, some of the students from my programs, even some minor celebrities. And so like, I'm so excited. I'm promoting it all weekend, all week. And then 10 minutes before we're about to go live, my internet just goes totally down. <laughs> oh, no. And, and I remember her response. She was like, because I was texting her. I'm like, my, my cell service still works. So I was texting her and she was like, that's okay. We'll figure this out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a professional streamer. Wow, that's rough. <laughs> 
I, I saw it, that like, advertised, but I hadn't heard about the, the, the technical. It worked stuff. out. It, she was right. It did work out. It did work out. And then, then we had a second edition yesterday, which was even bigger. We had like 40 titled players and yeah, it was awesome. Yesterday's was, was they were both great, but yesterday's was really great. So we had isolated queens too also. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the valuable lessons I learned from Twitch. And I was really lucky the first time I'd streamed a big poker tournament, I actually won it, which mm. was a huge confidence boost. It was a oh, poker yeah. stars tournament on poker stars PA. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, one of the things I just love about watching you watching your career is how creative you are in all of these different things too. So I can just totally see you grabbing hold of the saying, okay, how do we, how do we do this? How do I mentor people? How do I, you know, ex- expand, you know, the influence? And I, I love how you think about that. And I love how you bring that to bear. Uh, so thank you for all of that stuff. John, did you have something you wanted to ask or add? Well, I was just going to mention, you know, you mentioned that one of the things you've had to learn with Twitch is how to just chill and not worry about the things you can't control. And that's a particularly good lesson for everyone right now, because we're facing a lot of pressure from a lot of things we can't control. So learning how to just chill, control what we can and roll with the flow for everything else is a really good attitude to have right now. Hmm. I agree. You know, I think it's like for those of us who are lucky enough to, um, you know, be safe and have our loved ones and family safe. Um, and you know, it's the, the positive attitude is so important, you know, just trying to re I mean, obviously you can't always be positive because there's so many terrible things happening in the world, but as much as you can be, and just that, you know, emotional, um, resilience and, um, even, um, like, uh, saving up your emotions, you know? So, yeah, like not watching, like it's for me, actually, one of the things I'm really grateful for is poker podcasts like yours, like, you know, some of my favorite poker podcasts right now and TV shows are, and chess shows too, are so valuable because I have to tell you, I want to stay informed, but I, I can't listen to news about mm-hmm. the world 24 seven. It's just, it's, uh, it's too devastating for me and it just takes me completely out of my zone. So I think like sometimes, sometimes these escapes like poker and chess right now are even more valuable. Some people might say it's like, it's frivolous. It's only recreation, but you know, right now people really need that and they're, they're not getting it from sports or the gym, you know? So that's where we come in. So good. One thing I wanted to ask you about uh, last time that you're on, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to get, I know these guys are all like chomping at the bit to get into the hand and they're like, Steve, shut up. Let's go to the hand. But I'm always intrigued to talk to people that I think are, are just good, deep, insightful people. And, and one of the things is, is what, how you describe the grid on your website. You know, the grid is, as you guys know, that our poker podcast listeners, a lot of you I know are listening to that kind of represents, you know, the, the 13 by 13, you know, hand grid poker, you've got the eight by eight chessboard, but you mentioned on the website, I, I was curious about this. Um, uh, the grid is a way to organize our thinking in a hectic world, as well as a portal into deep and beautiful thought. Now, I, as somebody who loves interesting concepts, I can't just let that go and not ask you about that. So do you mind unpacking that a little bit? Kind of t- tell us a little bit more about uh, what what that means to you. Yeah, well, I think just poker is so incredibly complex. And one of the things that attracts us to games like poker, chess, and Go is I think that like they're calibrated in a way for the brain to be able to, um, the human brain to be able to grasp, but it can't be that easy. So it's like, 
it's the total full understanding of poker or chess is kind of tantalizing. It's like very much within reach. And sometimes you can reach it if you play, if you have like a really beautiful session or if you play a hand perfectly or close to perfectly, or even you understand afterwards what a perfect play would be. But um, it's always just like right, um, mm. right outside of our reach. And I think that that's kind of what you want from a game. You want it to be um, easy enough that you can sometimes um, reach full understanding, but hard enough that you can spend many, many years and continue to hone that. And so for me, like the grid, where that comes in is obviously poker theory itself is one of the hardest things to grasp because there's, you know, if you look at poker theory, it's so complex. There's so many different possible hands you can have and so many different hands you, your opponent can have. And if you're playing no limit, hold them infinite number of bat sizes on infinite number, you know, of different like potential branches and then different reactions to those bat sizes. So, um, yeah, you can't really grasp it all, but what you can do is you can try to like create little, um, chunky mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that people are now using this grid 13 by 13 of all the hands to study poker is one example of that, right? You're trying to like kind of just like flatten it out so that you can see it, right? Even though, of course, it's difficult to see it in, in, in full. Uh, so good. And so the application for life is that same sort of thing that life is just so complex, but how do we, how do we start to organize our thought? Is that kind of the. Yeah, the exactly. So, mm-hmm, right, right. I mean, that's just, Similar, I, I guess, is that that's one of the reasons we're attracted to games because they're they're not really as complex as life. They're like models of life, right? But they're a little bit more controllable, and sometimes we can reach full understanding, which is something that often eludes us in real life. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Well, we're we're gonna shift gears here because my next question is probably something like, "What is the meaning of life?" And so, to prevent going down that road, these guys are like, "No, no, no." Uh, but uh, I love just chatting about life, life with you too. So I appreciate that. But let's let's get into the hand uh, for this week, and Jim was gonna uh, lead us through that discussion. Yeah, thanks, Steve. So actually, I love the way we got talking about this because I feel like one thing we talk about here on the podcast a lot is sort of maintaining your reserve of focus and sort of like being able to stay focused is not a a resource that's unlimited. And so when you talk about kind of, you know, regrowing your nerve endings and taking time throughout the week to uh, limit the amount of like emotional capital that you have to invest in the news every day, I think this sort the same sort of thing when you're playing live maintain that focus is the same kind of resource that we need to pay attention to when you're playing online streaming or recording your play for others i i find it extremely difficult to keep any of those things at the forefront of my mind i start thinking about the hand and i start stop being a valuable streamer i start thinking about the stream and i'm not paying attention to things in the hand and i think for people that are transitioning to playing online more a lot of our listeners are now um if you're multi-tabling, often what happens is you kind of get pulled into a decision point on a hand where you don't really have the whole narrative in your mind of how you got there necessarily, and you kind of have to snap into a decision mode um, based on just what's in front of you. So I I just picked this hand because I think if I had been playing it uh, with a little more focus, I think I would have played it differently and had a different opportunity. But it's not that. It's not even that interesting. Hand. Yeah, let's just see what happens here. So, Wait, and before we get started, Jen, what we like to do is, who's ever pre- presenting the hand, we like to make as much fun of them as possible. So, if you could just that is true. Add to. <laughs> hey, well, he he hasn't messed up the hand yet. <laughs> right. Exactly. So far, he's played it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> yeah, I sat down and I put my small blind in. Thoughts? <laughs> So this is uh, this is a poker star's hand. I think this was in the uh, Sunday Storm. Um, it's like an eleven dollar tournament on Sundays, which is right in my sweet spot. I love those. Uh, you play in, we, where do you live? I live in Toronto, or just oh. east of Toronto in oh, Canada. Nice. So, okay, cool. Yeah, so I get to sneak onto Poker Stars and uh, take advantage of the huge, huge fields there. Um, so this is in a nine handed tournament. We're at the sixty one twenty level, uh, ante of twelve. Um, low Jack opens to 240, so 2x, and they've got 7,700 behind or 67 big blinds. The button calls, who's got about 9,900 or 85 big blinds. We're in the small blind with Ace of Clubs, King of Clubs, uh, with about 9,000 back. So we uh, cover the uh, low jack, but the button covers us. So we're obviously not folding. Does anybody just want to talk about why you might call or three bet here in a two X one call squeeze spot, a squeeze spot with Ace King suited out of the small blind? Um, well, I think I would. It's oh, it's a it's Ace of Clubs, King of Clubs, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, I would I would pretty much always squeeze this myself. Um, like, uh, I would say that it, this would be like in the hundred percent range, but yeah, just cause it's just such a great spot and you're out of position that I, I really want to, uh, potentially get the pot heads up, you know, and, uh, yeah. And, and take some initiative that seems very standard here for me from the small line. Yeah, I think I'm squeezing here always too. And part of that just balancing the range, right? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna three bet squeeze with ace three diamonds, I think I should be doing it with ace king of clubs as well. It's part of a balanced range. And like Jen said, I, I'm I like to get it heads up. And you guys know me, I'm I'm less comfortable playing out of position post flop. So if I can get it to heads up or take it down right there, even I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, and I think I'm gonna get a lot of the low jack range, the you know the ace queens, king queens, maybe even to stay into the stay into the hand um, where I'm dominating them. So I like to squeeze. This yeah, deep. yeah. You can stack some people just for value. You know, you hit top pair and you have a better one, and then you just bet, bet, and get it in. So that's that's nice to be able to do, right? Yeah, yeah this order on the if you were in the button, then I think an argument could be made occasionally to call with that as well as part of your range, especially since the suited ace uh, plays better multi way, but. Um, I think in the small blind, three betting is the best play. Yeah, I like to mostly if I'm going to call if I'm going to call with ace king suited, it's going to be in position, and I don't mind doing that occasionally in three betting ace king off just to get those combos of value in there. But um, out of position, I think is just part of a value three bet range. So, and and like Steve says, you want to be doing that with some other junk in here as well. So, um, I. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. For everybody who said they were going to squeeze there, what happens if that person goes over the top? We're jamming it in no matter what. Um, well, I mean, it's an online tournament. I can't imagine folding ace king of clubs like in that spot, especially with like the dead money. Okay, me, okay. Let me think of a spot where I would do it. Okay, let's say I squeeze and then I get like min four bet, and then there's like a pretty small five bet. Okay, that that maybe you know, especially if it was like a live tournament, that would scare the heck out of me. 
online, I still might just go with it because I just don't know if these people could just be, you know, chilling out on Sunday. <laughs> re-entry still open or closed? Uh, there's actually no re-entry for this one. So it's just. Okay. So. There's no re-entry. Yeah. yeah. Um, online, it would be a tough decision, but I can see live like a three bet, a squeeze followed by a four bet and a five bet, like just hypothetically would, um, you know, scare the bejesus out of me potentially. Um, but it, Online, I think you're almost almost under any permutation going to get it in. But um, what what actually happened? Was it a four bet, five bet? <laughs> so, well, well, uh, before, uh, before you say that, I mean, part of it for me too. Sorry, part of general. It's What's the answer? Um, <laughs> but I think I think part of it for me is too. The the low jack should see us having a, a great squeeze spot. So the low right. jack should should see us three betting there as a squeeze. So they should perceive our range as wider. And obviously, we're toward the top of the range, you know. So we're not only doing that with with premium hands; we should be doing that with wider hands. So, in that case, the low jack should go. Okay, well, I think I can push them off a good chunk of their range with a four bet shove. So I think I think their range as a four bet is wider than in some other four bet spots. So I think Ace King suited is in decent shape against that that range. So kind of going. Sorry. They might not four bet jam, right? They could like make right. like a smaller four bet, but yeah, right. I mean, right. just generally for sure, if they were to jam and the button were to fold, it would be like a very easy call. Yeah. Well, in that kind of same same scenario, if the the low jack jams and the button just flats, are you still calling with Ace King close? Um, I think I think on an online tournament, I would imagine. Yeah, I would just. I would want to get that in because I, you know, I, a lot of the time I'm just going to be free rolling against a, um, yeah, that's true. Ace King off or, you know, just people doing some, I mean, people still do things weird on $11 Sunday storm and around the world. Right. I mean, like I play poker stars PA and I can't tell you how easy of a call it would be. Um, I don't (laughs) really get to play around the world site as much because I'm, you know, in Philly most of the time. So I heard it is it is uh, obviously tougher at all levels, right? So, but I'm imagining the Sunday Storm still has enough value that you'd you'd want to snap it with uh, the Ace King on, Ace King suited, yeah. I think that, that that's that's the way I think about it. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not afraid to get him in the middle traditionally. So I'm <laughs> this is why I kind of brought this hand to the group here because I think there might be some some people here that are maybe a little more measured than I am when it comes to shoving those chips in, but. Um, so I, I do make the three bet. I raised it up to uh, 1,080 up from 240. And uh, the low jack and the button both call. Um, the flop comes nine of clubs, six of hearts, nine of spades. So it's a paired flop rainbow. Oh, can you tell me the flop again? What's yeah, it? of course. Uh, nine of clubs, six of hearts, nine of spades. We've got the ace of clubs and the king of clubs. So mm-hmm. we've got two overs and a back door on the paired rainbow flop. And uh, so, but, well, what, what do people do here? I, uh, I'll just tell you, I ended up c-betting, and I think I did not c-bet the right size. Um, given the stacks, but what, what are people thinking? Are you C-betting here? Are you checking uh, multi-way on this spot? And if you're C-betting, what's the size? And if you're checking, what's the plan? Yeah, I think I'm C-betting here. I mean, I, I think I'm C-betting. Um, you know, because just, just the board, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we've got all the pairs in our, our range. 
I think, you know, the other ranges are capped as far as pairs go, unless they're getting really tricky. I mean, right. I mean, I guess I guess Jack's tens, nines, maybe, I mean, or Queens, maybe. Um, I don't know. I'd probably see betting um, just to try to push out some of the equity that, that might be out there. But yeah, this is tricky. This is why I hate the, the out of position stuff, right? Uh, this is where it gets tricky. So what if you're called? What if you're raised? All of those things come into play. You could just check call. Uh, but I, I kind of like pushing the action here a little bit and trying to at least get it to heads up, if nothing else. This is one of those spots where I feel like I want to be bluffing a lot. And I'm kind of bluffing here with Ace-King, but it's it's one of those spots where uh, it, it just feels like it should be in a C-betting range. What do you guys think? Um, I think, you know, looking at your full range, it's, you're not going to have that many uh, you're obviously going to have, I guess, what 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 kind of pairs would you have for value here? Like, well, quads plus, like nines plus. Yeah. Those, those would be the ones that you would squeeze. Well, I, I yeah, so. I mean, are, are eights a value bet though? I mean, you don't think eights are value because um, the other because the other people have the tens and jacks in their range. Well, I think he's saying that maybe he wouldn't be squeezing eights that often. You'd be flatting at uh, least some of the time, but okay. nines you'd probably be three betting. Yeah. So yeah, so you have nine. You have one combo of nines, yeah, and then you have, and then what? And then in terms of bluffs, what kind of bluffs do you generally have here? Even if they're not bluffs anymore in the nine nine six flop, but what what kind of bluffs do you usually have? Yeah, I can see having some suit connectors that hit this um, in a like a seven eight jumps out. Obviously, even drawing against the paired board. Um, I'd love to be C betting like 10 8 here because you're blocking their nine holdings pretty well and you still have the redraw to the seven. Um, other than that, I'm not, I mean, it's not, I don't know if you're some overs, I suppose. A lot of overs. Yeah. Right? It like would have you, to be. I feel like you have a lot of overs here because you probably want to get squeeze a lot of like ace, jack, ace, queen. King, queen, you know, you're probably, I mean, I, at least I am probably squeezing a lot of those hands just to, because those are kind of nice hands to squeeze because we, um, you know, block some really strong hands. And then if we get it heads up and we, we hit a pair, it's not a terrible situation. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like, oh, sometimes you might flat the king, queen or whatever, but a lot of the times you might squeeze it. So yeah, you have a lot of you have a lot of unpaired hands, I think here. Yes. Which is why um, I think that checking there's also a potential argument for checking just because your hand is strong enough to like check call one, you know. Whereas it's not necessarily a hand that needs to be like put in the category of you know bet folding. But I definitely don't hate betting. I just think that you could certainly make an argument for checking too. I think like it's it's hard to make a mistake at this point, except maybe with the bet size. Mm. Well, that's comforting. <laughs> well, and that's what I, that was my next question. Is Jimmy said you didn't like your sizing? What right. sizing are we betting here for C betting? So good. That's exactly it. Because the stack sizes kind of come into it here, and um, I ended up betting fourteen uh, forty into thirty four sixty eight. And I think I could get, if I made that bet smaller on such a board as this, I think we probably get a very similar result for fewer chips. And then we are, well, what ends up happening is the low jack shoves over the top. And because we made the bet size the way we did, we're actually getting pretty good odds to call the shove. Um, and now you, we've created the situation where it's like, ugh, 
I mean, can I call, can I fold this creation, this situation that I sort of crafted for myself? <laughs> like it's not, um, if I'd made a smaller bet when he shoves, I think it's easier for me to get away with it because there's no way I'm getting the right pot odds as it is. So what happens is I bet, uh, 1440, which is just a little bigger than the three bet preflop, but it's still like 40% of the pot or something like that. The low jack shoves uh, for 68.97 more, and the button folds. So it's back to us. We're getting pot odds 32%. Uh, what do we think the low jack is shoving with here? Um, I've, I've, I put a little range together, but I'd love to hear what other people think. And are they like what bluffs do they have? Um, I guess the same one, some of the same ones you were talking about. Like not many though, man. Seven eight suited. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe they seven eight suited is a is a big one. Um, but that's one. Um, what else? Like the the ten eight suited maybe. There's not a lot of not a lot of bluffs that I can imagine people just jamming there because also remember that they're going to be floating some of those and just kind of waiting to see what happens with the the button i don't think like every single time they're going to jam seven eight suited there so it's just pretty tricky yeah <sighs> tough spot yeah i don't think there's a bluff there to be found not with that action i just don't i just don't see it and the button can wake up with a lot of nines there too. So I think right. it's a it's a hard spot for the low jack to feel like they can confidently rip it in. True. There's not, but a lot of nines. I mean, still right. it's a minor percentage, a somewhat minor percentage of the range, right? Like they probably have what um, ten nine suited, nine eight suited, and ace nine suited specifically, mm. right? I mean, is there really that many more of, that, of those? Well, and they had to call the three bet, right? So it's uh, it's not exactly. like they're in there with that many range. I, I, when I did my when I did my little range here, I tried to give them every possible nine and six that they could call a, a, a three bet with. Um, and there are some, there are some suited ones, but yeah, I think the ones I mentioned. Yeah, but it's like the, your three bet is a little small. Hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a bit small, so maybe that's why I'm thinking maybe ace. Ace nine, 10, nine, nine, eight. I, I think that even flatting with, I, I, yeah, I just think that, that those are going to be the main ones. Oh, oh, maybe like some King nine suited. I don't know. They might just three bet that pre too. So it's, um, it's a, it, I, I, that's not the bigger portion of the range. The bigger portion of the range is all sorts of other random stuff. Like why nine? There's two nines out there. Why don't they just have like ace five suited and have to fold? That's like more likely, right? <laughs> or ace ten suited. That's way more likely. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's not a seven eight suited, I think would be a good a good one for them to do it with. But because that's also good because you're that would that would be a bluff that they could have. But there's also so many hands they could just be doing it with like um tens, um a nine themselves, right? So yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And, and so when I, well, I basically figured the only, the only value ends they wouldn't be shoving there would be the quads and the uh, full houses. Cause I don't think they'd feel the need to do that in this spot. They'd probably just call with a, uh, with the button still to act. And with, with this chip stack, I don't think they'd need to raise their absolute nuts to get them in by the river. Um, are you, do you guys think that's fair? Are you are shoving your, quads or your made full houses there or are you just going to let 
let the out of position players string themselves along a little longer. I guess yeah, I certainly would, on be, how much I would be shoving there. Yeah. Yeah. Not with another player behind you, right? So another player in at this point, right behind us. Yes, exactly. That we're, we're dreaming will squeeze us with their pocket tens. So then it comes back around to us and we're in this terrible spot. We, <laughs> I mean, when are we, how much equity do we actually have in this hand? So this is one of those spots where I, I must've been multi-tabling, I guess I click in, I, and this is my spot. So I see this board and I see that I've seen bad and this is the rays coming back at me and I just hate life. And because I have a problem, I click call and, uh, uh, they all go in, and um, of course, this is a, an easy game. Goes club, club, and I uh, river, river my flesh, and uh, that's that's how you play poker, folks. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but to, to clarify, you were behind when you clicked call, right? This is what I, I want to say. say. So yeah. so he so he he turns up he turns over his hand at, at showdown, of course, and um, he had pocket twos, and so I feel oh. like he's. So what, what it actually made me feel like maybe my range for his shoving was, was I was giving him too strong a range for that because I went back and I, I looked at if you put a, if you give him every paired hand possible, if you give him twos through queens and every six and nine that he could have possibly gotten to the flop with, um, and he's only ever shoving those bluff combos that Jen mentioned, it's actually a break-even call um, with ace-king, which I just think goes to show that you can rationalize anything into a call if you put the data in that you want to see. You know, like this isn't even an ICM spot. Heaven forbid it was in a spot where it actually mattered um, how valuable those chips were coming in. Well, but, if he has uh, deuces there, I mean, if he has deuces there, then, you know, you can basically never fold it at any point in the hand, right? <laughs> yeah. right. It's, I mean, just in, just the fact, not knowing that he has deuces, but knowing that he might have a hand like deuces, because it's just... It's just such so crazy in every way. <laughs> yeah. Jen, does yeah. this go back to your earlier assessment, though, when you were talking about, you know, with, with maybe it's worthy of a check call because, you know, the range that we have as the hero in this story are, it's, it's a lot of overs, right? So is that kind of the point that you were making earlier is that, you know, our range is heavily weighted toward uh, just two big cards. And that's maybe why a check call is in order because people are going to pick up on that. So any pair... You know, we'll see this as an opportunity to rip or maybe talk a little bit about that idea, you know, earlier when you're saying, you know, maybe it's, I could argue for a check because we're so heavily weighted toward overs or maybe share a little insight on that. Certainly you could check if you want here, because the thing that the good, you just kind of write down the good things that happen when you check and the good things that happen when you bet and kind of compare them. But there are some good things that happen when you check, like it could get checked around and then you could hit an ace or a king or a club and particularly when you hit your ace or your king and it got checked around, it's possible you're playing against other big cards and now you dominate them. So that's one very good thing that could happen. Or they could bet small and you could clearly have the equity to call. And again, you might already be beating them and they might give up bluffing or you might improve on the turn to either your club, your ace or your king. So yeah, there's just like a lot of good things that could happen when checking. But there's also some bad things that could happen when checking. Like they could bet huge you know, or even like over bet the pot and then you're not exactly sure what to do. Um, and you might feel like a bet would have given you a better result. Um, but not, it's interesting because not knowing what to do is not really like a, um, a bad thing in poker in a way. It's not like really a way to assess a hand. 
it's not like like no like not knowing what to do doesn't mean it's bad in a way it just means that you're not sure of your opponent's tendencies but it doesn't mean you made a mistake yet you know so anyway um i think that you can kind of list that there's some good things that can happen when checking and there's clearly some good things that can happen when betting and then you know like for, for instance maybe maybe you think that if you bet they're going to bluff less if you check they're going to bluff more so then you decide to bet because you don't want to get bluffed but then it turn that on its head if you take that statement to its logical extreme if you think that they're going to bluff a lot including with like a bunch of high cards and random stuff because it's not that easy to fall um to hit nine nine six and all of a sudden you should check because it means that they're bluffing a lot so you know you can't you kind of can't have it both ways right like if you think that they're, if you think that checking is, is wrong because then they're going to bluff you out of the pot, then you've just admitted that you should check because they're going to bluff you and then you should get it in. <laughs> so it's funny that some, that's, that's all about like um, unraveling fear and emotion and rationality in poker because sometimes they get intertwined, right? That you don't want to get bluffed. You don't want right. to get in a difficult spot, but sometimes difficult spots are very profitable. Right. No, they are. Do you, do you think from the, the person that had the twos, so their perspective would, would have to be, okay, Jim's range includes some pairs, of course, includes some stuff I'm crushed by, but, but, but as they're thinking about a range, as we're trying to all, as recreational players, move from thinking about our hand and our opponent's hand to a range versus range concept, I mean, they're, 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 train of thought had to be Jim has more unpaired combinations than he has paired combinations. And so a shove here is going to be pretty profitable because he's probably going to fold. He they don't know Jim, uh, but he's probably going to fold his unpaired hands and we're going to pick up a pot. Is that, is that sort of the mindset do you feel like of the pocket twos? I know it's not you, but you know, that had to be their mindset, right? Thinking that most of Jim's range is unpaired hands. Yeah, but it just seems like a bad hand to do it with because the, the button can also have a hand and like, and then on top of that, you have no, you have like no equity except the deuce. Um, it's only fold equity, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm not, just think it's, it's not a bad idea to have bluffs, but it's mm-hmm. like deuces is a weird one to do it with. Yeah. So what would be a better candidate for that person to shove in the spot? Do you think like, where do you, where's that line? Well, seven, eight suited, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, even even something with like some high card value thinking that like, you know, or if, for instance, if he had like ace queen of clubs or something, I'm probably, he would want to float there. But like, if for some reason mm-hmm. he jammed there, at least, you know, you have a lot of outs against tens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, jacks, right. Like, or like all these types of, and you block Queens, but you also have some, some decent outs against Queens even. So yeah, I would th- you would think that would be a little bit more logical than deuces is just a really um, a really tough hand to do it with, especially multi-way. And I feel like if you think that um, the small blind is full of it, um, deuce is not a bad hand to make a play with pre-flop because it's a pair and usually people aren't squeezing, um, you know, the threes through seven. So it's kind of irrelevant that it's a, it's a terrible, it's not irrelevant that it's a mm. terrible pair, but it's not as relevant as it would normally be because the, the threes through sevens probably aren't doing it. And you can maybe assume that the button's going to be folding those um, garbage pairs anyway. So in a way you could argue that deuces is almost similar to sixes in that spot. If, if you try to make a move pre-flop, 
But on the flop, you can't really argue that as much. Yeah, I, I was just going to add the other thing I hate about the deuces play there is that we're not heads up. So there's still the button behind us, too. And um, th- there's a there's a lot of situations where you jam because you might rightly read that the, you know, our small blind here is, un, you know, weighted towards unpaired hands. But you still there's a lot of possibility behind you, too. So I just I really I really don't like this play very much. Yeah, I, I think I probably would not have brought the hand in if I hadn't seen the twos there because it just made me think about his range completely differently. And that, that sort of made this a more interesting spot, uh, given that. Did you um, uh, I, did you tell me the button also called or the button folded? Uh, button folded to the shove. Okay, the button folded. Okay, for some yeah. reason at first. You know, what's interesting about this hand in my um, podcast, The Grid, is that, you know, I really think that the hand that people have the most interesting hands with is definitely ace king um because there's just a lot of magic to that hand strategically in that it's you know it can be so strong and it can be so weak and so you know usually somebody has a hand in their repertoire and of course people are almost always getting to the flop with it so they just have more iterations with it so if you ask like a, you know, 10,000 poker players, what their most like interesting hand was from a recent tournament. Like Ace King is going to be the leader usually, right? That's great. Yeah. Well, it's a hand that it's, it's exciting to play when you get it right and when you get it wrong. Yeah. Shout, I mean, shout out to, shout out to Grandpa George as his favorite hand. So yeah. I got to put that in there. <laughs> hey, favorite hey, and least favorite. Jen, I would, that, that brings me to the, one of the questions I had. It's a little off topic from the hand, but um, speaking of the grid, if Ace-King is the easiest hand to find, what's, what's, what's been the biggest challenge so far in terms of the hand that nobody will send you or the, that, just, <laughs> that you just can't, you're like, oh, that's going to be the one that, that no one will ever, ever send me? That's a great question, and I think the answer is kind of interesting because all um, – you know, the, the, isn't it the, wait, I, I can't always remember, forget which way it is, but it's like all fa- happy families are alike and all unhappy families are different. Is that, is that how it goes? Yeah. Right. The Tolstoy quote that, um, you know, the, the good hands are all the, are all the same. Right. But the bad hands are just like a big tie. Really? I mean, seven deuce off is of course <laughs> easy because there's a lot of seven deuce off games, but, um, among the other bad hands, like nine, three, and eight, three, it's not like one really easier or harder than the other. It's just a matter of finding somebody who had nine tray or eight, three, maybe in like some big heads up spot where you actually play all of your hands. And then, uh, you know, I try to find that person. Like they were heads up for an EPT title with eight, three, right? Something like that. Um, because that's really what you need for those garbage hands that heads up or short handed. And, um, luckily I clicked some of them off the grid already, but I imagine it will start to get very difficult and I'm going to have to be a little creative in order to, you know, finish the mission. Well, good stuff. Uh, so, so the quote uh, by Tolstoy from Anna Karina, I said, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Right, so right. Okay. Yeah. Dropping the so, philosophy. <laughs> so, yeah, because everybody's favorite hands are aces and kings and queens, and then there might be a tie for ace, king, and jacks, depending on who you are. But right. in terms of your, like, least favorite hands, like, yeah, like, three do seven do sure, technically. But in reality, like, all of those hands are kind of, um, you know, tied at the bottom for a lot of people, unless you're a heads-up player, right? And then you kind of have, like, 
a different respect for all of the hands. Like you have a very good feel for what is like 80% and what is 90%. And since when we play in poker tournaments, we always aim to get heads up. It's good to get a feel for the fact that queen five off is actually not that bad of a hand, <laughs> right? Yeah. You can get a lot worse. You've got a high card in there. <laughs> you have isolate, think- isolated queens. That sounds like the, the, what you're doing, right? Queen five, is that an isolated queen? I don't know. Maybe tie yeah, tie I mean- back in. <laughs> I do have, I did, I did, I did win that PA scoop that I mentioned on stream with queen four off. So that oh, was that my right? final hand. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I hit top hair on the flop and, and he had a draw, but it's like, yeah, you know, you're not, you're, that's exactly what you, why you're playing queen four when you're heads up or shorthanded. You're like, yeah, I mean, I can hit a queen. That's great. Yep. <laughs> but in a, in a full ring, you never play oh, that yeah. hand. Right. Just, you know, it, it's um, not that exciting to hit a queen when you're playing against tighter ranges where um, they're um, going to have a lot of queens that are far stronger than you or pairs that already beat your queen, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that well, I think just generally, that's one of the, the learning pieces for recreational players, just that, that keep playing those, those queen tens, queen nines, king eights out of position, you know, and just keep getting out kicked and keep losing chips and just, you know, great heads up, really bad full ring. Rob, did you have something? Well, I was just going to say, queen seven is that middle hand, right? Yeah. It's it's right at the 50% mark. It's called the uh, computer hand. Because if you run all the hands in the computer, you'll have queen seven is right in the middle. Yeah. So queen I, five is just a little below that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, the computer hand. Um, one of my guests, Martin, who wrote this great book about the history of poker recently, Poker and Pop Culture, um, he said that that's one of the most fascinating hands to him. Um, yeah, I, I guess hopefully I'll have somebody somebody come onto the grid to talk about that, and we'll we'll talk about those properties. Yeah, because I've been fascinated by that too, Rob. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up here, Jim. Time just flies by whenever we talk talk with you. But Jim, thank you for bringing that hand. Uh, that was fun to kind of break that down. Jen, let's talk a little bit about uh, as we wrap up. Where can people find you? They're listening to this. Maybe they're familiar with your podcast. Maybe they're not. But they're saying, "All right, I need to hear more from Jen Shahadi. How do I connect with her? Uh, where do you direct people?" Thank you. Well, um, I'm actually really easy to find. I'm Instagram and Twitter at Jen Shahadi, and I pretty much update all of my happenings there. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm also on Twitch now at Jen Chahadi. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear from people. And my podcasts are at the poker grid and ladiesnight.org. So the poker grid comes out every 10 days and lady night comes out every month. And, you know, I, I just love uh, to see so much great work being done in the podcast sphere. You know, you guys are doing a great thing here and um, you know, thanks for having me on. As you know, again, like I said earlier, this kind of entertainment and, you know, educatainment really, because you're also pulling in that education, I think is, is just really important for people right now. Um, as many of us are, are sitting at home and looking for little ways to improve ourselves. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate the the shout out there, but let's real quick, ladies night, the, the other podcast, let's talk about it just super quick. Uh, Cause we did a, we did a series a while ago on women in poker and it was very well received. We had, you know, a lot of people, we picked up a lot of people, uh, female listeners uh, interested because we, we try, even though this is an all male panel that you see, which is something we're trying to work on, but talk a little bit about what is that podcast, especially for the, the gals that are out there listening. Ladies night is uh, the top 
women chess players and personalities. And so I interview them and that's part of my, my, my work and my passion at us chess women. So it's just one leg of that, that we're trying to get more women and girls into the game. So we've got tournaments, trainings, and then also a podcast. It's like a, it's like a bigger part of the, of the pie. And yeah, I remember I was on that, on that podcast and a lot of my friends were on as well when you were doing the women's series and I think it's uh yeah it's really important and you're right you should get a female panelist you don't want to show I know. up and- they, do you want to be a, do you want to be a panelist on the rec poker podcast we we try what, what, what we're running into is uh, uh I've asked several people and they're like yeah no I don't really want to be you know on the public I don't want to be seen so we're we're still looking I think it'd be great uh, but but we do we do what we can. Uh, but but thank you for all your work uh, with that. And you know everybody connect with Jen, man. She's just a deep thinker. I mean, I just I look at people like you, and I think, man, our our human humankind is is much better because you're in it. And uh, oh, I appreciate. You. Well, no, I appreciate what you bring to uh, all the mentoring that you do. The stuff that people don't even see. They're they see the poker, they see the chess. But I know you're doing a lot of stuff uh, to enrich the lives of many many people. So thank you for that, uh, and thank you for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, you're welcome. And I will uh, hopefully um, come back some sometime and hear another great hand. Bye, guys. Thanks All for right. having me. Thanks, Jen. We're, we're going to continue on with some of our stuff. You're welcome to okay. uh, just jump off here. But thanks again. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks, Jen. Great hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's great. There she goes. Awesome. Uh, any Any thoughts, comments, feedback? Uh, she's phenomenal. The, the, um, there's no shortage of great things you can say about, uh, Jen Shahadi and the, uh, the grid podcast is fantastic too. If you, if you're not listening to it already, go, go get up on that right now. It's fantastic. I was going to ask her if she was going to be on Kara's podcast. Oh, she was, yeah. Kara was just on time, her right? podcast on the yeah. grid and, uh, Kara, I'd love to see Jen on Kara's podcast because Kara, She's not doing strategy. She's not doing any of this other stuff. She's really digging deep into the personalities of the of the people that she's interviewing, and it's pretty cool. Is it is it from the heart or something like that? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Really good podcast. Both of both hers, Kara's and Jen's are good podcasts. Yep. I cannot recommend either one of them enough. And even on Jen's podcast, my favorite part is probably after they've finished talking about the hand, then she kind of gets in depth with each one of her guests and that's often more interesting than the hand was. Love it. Well, it seems like that's kind of the, the walk that we're doing too, right? Part of the, the half strategy, half, uh, you know, life, life yep. digging in a little bit. I love that. Jonesy, do you have something else there? No, no, no. I was, I, I basically echo everything everybody else said. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the grid. It's, it's a, I think it's one of the better poker podcasts out there. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go, go give it a listen. Well, and props to you guys. I mean, I, you know, I don't listen to as many podcasts as you guys do. People are always like, Hey, what are y'all listening to? And I'm like, I know it seems like I'd be listening to a lot, but I don't listen to a lot, but you guys are the ones that initially brought Jen to my attention. I was like, this is fantastic. She is an amazing human being and a great thinker. So I credit you guys for uh, bringing her our way. And now we able to share with all the folks that are listening to us. So Fantastic stuff. Well, if there's nothing else, uh, why don't we move forward uh, talking about some of the home game stuff and everything else we have going on. All right. Let me just mute myself here real quick. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so, some ski yourself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, May 6th is our uh, No Limit Hold'em series. So be sure to sign up for that. And May 13th, 
will be our mixed game series. It's Limit Omaha 8, and there is a video available. You can find the link either on the Rec Poker uh, YouTube channel, or you can find a link to it from our Rec Poker page that lists the Poker Stars home game information. And then uh, we had a little bit of a glitch last week with our podcast, so I've got two weeks of uh, winners to go through on the social distancing series. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, John, really let, let me jump in there quick. I should have mentioned at the beginning. Sorry yeah. to cut you off, but just in case you're wondering why we didn't have an episode last week. So we recorded it. Uh, we recorded it. And for the first time between this and the other podcasts I've done, I've done probably 450 different episodes. And I've never once had this happen where recorded it. And then the file was just didn't work. It was corrupted or something. So it was very much a bummer. But uh, just today, I worked with the people at Zoom, and we were able to get that file retrieved. So we do have the file. We'll save that discussion for another time, but uh, that is why we did have the gap. It wasn't because Andrew Feist got angry and said he's going to hold out for more money or, you know, Rob came into the studio and threatened us all. It was just because of a, a corrupted file. So that's why we're making John do double double duty today. All right. So for April 20th, we have... Bless, Bluff Storini, Jim oh, yeah. Reed. Count it. On that one. Count it. Uh, April 21st, Rekob Jib, Steve's favorite poker player. That's big poker backwards. <laughs> we still need to know who you are. So who contact is this us. guy? Who are uh, April 22nd, Poker Geek MN. I won. Yes. Now that one has an asterisk because there was a restart that night. <laughs> yeah, there doesn't need to be an asterisk there, John. You won that one fair and square. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, only against 21 players, though. So. On April 23rd, the one and the only, Chad McBean. Nice. Go, Chad. On April 24th, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel, and yeah. Steve Fredlin won a tournament. Uh, how many people played that? Right. Uh, that was that was one of one, right? I was going to yeah, say, it was just Steve and I heads up. <laughs> heads up against Andrew. It was yeah. two players, right? <laughs> My queen four won. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, April 25th, DJ Voyer, Mark Wittig. Nice, Mark. Won. Uh, great guy. Uh, April 26th, Eric Anderson, E. Anderson 85 won. April 27th. Schneids 33, Eric mm-hmm. and or Danny Schneider won. Oh, and he Danny also Schneider. won on May 3rd. Nice job, uh, Danny. Just last night. Uh, <laughs> on April 28th, Magra 44, Doug Drayback won. Put the needle into Steve for that one, too. That's a fun I one. know. That's double D, man. Uh, <laughs> yep. Double D. Double D. <laughs> double D. Nice job, man. As long as your kid doesn't win one, we'll be okay. <laughs> April 29th, Gloves 1010, Colin Anderson won. Hmm. April 30th, Hawsey 8, Michael Hawes won. May 1st, Eric Molina, Rob Brereton won. And on May 2nd, JB Twin Cities, yes. Joanne Bird won. So we had a bunch of great players. Now, we're also going to be having our uh, social distancing series March and April Tournament of Champions on May 11th. So if you've won the social distancing series tournaments anytime in March or in April or if you win a 2019 No Limit Hold'em series tournament then you will be eligible to play in this uh 
Tournament of Champions. I'll be posting the information, all of the players. We have 34 players who qualified. I'll be posting those on both the website and the Rec Poker uh, Facebook page. And uh, the information there will be be there for you to sign up for a club. It's a different Poker Stars home game club where we'll be holding that tournament. So you can sign into that. And then um, there'll also be information that you can send us, how to send us your information so that Steve can uh, send you those bronze pins out. And of course, the winner of this Tournament of Champions gets the elusive, very valuable Rec Poker Silver pin. So be sure you uh, look for that information. I'll try to get that posted in the next day or two. Awesome, John. Thanks for thanks for all your work on that. Fantastic. Yeah, so the, the bronze pins will be going out the door uh, pretty soon. Make sure you give us your information. But yeah, we have yet to give away a silver pin. This will be the inaugural silver pin uh, given away too. So pretty exciting stuff. I do plan on winning that, by the way, just to let you all know. Get the yeah, first well, one not in. if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> That's right. I don't think people can ask for us get to win, get to play it. Well, you won, you won in 29. This is your second one anyway. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I was counting my 2019 one. This one, I wasn't going to count for that, but I I get it in a different way. Nice. Can we do this like NASCAR where you can give me your second win so I get into the tournament of champions? (laughs) Nice. Get a whole secondary market of like lammers, tournament lammers. (laughs) Sell your seat. I I might be bribable, so we'll see. You know, let the offers start rolling in. Where's that mute button again? All right. (laughs) All right. How about membership stuff? Uh, yeah, so we're we're in May. We've we've uh, recorded our May seminar. Um, really uh, great. Uh, we had a great time recording it. Uh, we're talking all about uh, ICM tournament stages and MTTs, uh, multi-day tournaments. Um, some really great conversation. We had some content from uh, both uh, Learn Pro Poker and Solve for Why in there. So some some sort of great cart content from our partners as well as a really great discussion among the core team. So that's in May. And then just uh, coming up in June, just a teaser, um, our membership uh, content is going to focus on three betting, which I'm very excited about. Sweet. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, If you're, if you're a member, if you're a member, make sure you're looking at that stuff. It's unbelievably good stuff that's included in your membership. If you're not, uh, you should be, I mean, but, but it, it really is amazing stuff that Chris puts his, puts his heart and soul into. And then Andrew brings in some of the content from our, from our providers uh, that we're partnered with. And it just makes an incredibly robust uh, seminar every single month. Sorry, I just wanted to jump in because I'm so excited about this stuff. Um, the uh, the tournament, the monthly tournament of champions that John was talking about, we're also going to be recording that final table um, every month, and then maybe we'll do something fun with that later in the month. Do some audio commentary, or we'll uh, uh, do some, something fun and exciting with it. So know that if you're in that tournament, you make it to the final table. We're going to record it, and we're going to have some fun and get some extra value for you there. Uh, it's exciting times at Rec Poker, oh boy. <laughs> Andrew, you got anything you want to share? Uh, we do have our next learning with partners on May 13th. So it's next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Uh, so anybody that wants to uh, stop by for that, be a lot of fun. And the idea there is again, just we're going to share clips from each of our different partners. And it's like, it's like we're curating all of this content that's premium content from these, these membership sites that cost hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And uh, we're bringing it to you kind of the best of sort of stuff. So, uh, make sure you check that out if you're a member um, 
as well. And one more thing that I'll, I'll plug, uh, we're going to start doing, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong on the dates or the, the vernacular here, but uh, I think it's the third Wednesday of every month we're going to start doing like a just a, a Zoom single table gameplay. Uh, I'm going to be playing and we're going to invite uh, people to jump in there. Uh, we'll get, we're going to give priority to members, but we're going to fill up a single table, nine of us. Uh, we've been doing a little bit of this and we're just going to play uh, on our computers and we're going to have the Zoom up with the nine of us. So we can just chat and uh, just kind of yuck it up a little bit just as a way of of hanging out together. Uh, so if you're a member, uh, let we'll, we'll put the details out there, but that's coming. Uh, so let us know. If you're not a member, you can still say, hey, I want to be part of that deal. Uh, and if we don't have them filled up with members, uh, we'll go we'll go to the non-members there. But it uh, should be a good time. I'm excited just because it gives me a chance to connect with more and more people. I just love hanging out with people and, you know, having somebody three-bet and then rip on them or whatever I do. So uh, it should be a good time. So watch for that deal too. Uh, that, anything that else? Be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else coming up that uh, the world needs to know about from you guys? Just that that's on uh, Wednesday, May 20th. So it gives <laughs> us a couple weeks from the release date here. So if anyone wants to get their noted Steve and sign up for that, it's going to be a lot of fun. Please do. Yeah, just email me, steve at rec.poker. Uh, that, that's the easiest way. This is why Jim is here. I just say, hey, we're going to do this really cool, awesome, fun thing, and then I don't tell you when it is. <laughs> then I just get to come in and interrupt and cut in the mic. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, good stuff again. Go to rec.poker. All the stuff is out there. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, stay connected. Uh, thanks for tuning in uh, and checking us out. And Make sure you reach out if you have any comments, suggestions, whatever it is. Uh, we're a community, which means uh, you need to let your voice be heard. Uh, let us know what you want to see more of, less of. Uh, tell John Somsky to, to get a video camera. Whatever it is that you want to do, uh, let us know. Uh, and with that, uh, we will oh, actually thank our sponsors, Running Aces Racetrack Casino uh, and Hotel, as well as uh, Website App and Learn Pro Poker. Thanks to you guys. Thank you, Chris, Andrew, Rob, Jim, John, uh, Jen Shahadi. Fantastic discussion. And we'll see you all next week.